Welcome back to the Posting Up Podcast with your host, Alec Jesse. Um, I am back after a two-week hiatus. Took a little time off. Didn't really... Didn't really... uh, Felt like there wasn't a ton, ton to talk about. So I let the... Gave gave an extra week, so we have plenty to dive into into on this episode. So, um, again, please subscribe... um, rate, leave a comment, suggestions, let me know what I can do to do better, all that stuff. Um, it is on iTunes, I believe now, but I tweet out the link every time so you can listen to it um, however you want to, but it is out there. So that is really exciting. I'm super I'm super excited about that. And um, yeah, I appreciate it to the people that have listened and I hope to get some more um, as we go on. So obviously the big news, oh, well, actually, for that, we were less than three weeks away from basketball. I mean, we're starting to see now kind of like the scrimmages between the team, or between the two two units of each, you know, of the team. Like, uh, you know, UK has their blue-white game coming up. Uh, the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers have their game coming up, or have their red-white game coming up. I know that because I am covering it. Um, and I'm sure pretty much every other university does as well. And then after that, then you have the exhibition games, some of the charity exhibition games, and then now, of course, you and then of course you will get the real deal coming up uh, first week of November, I believe. So super exciting stuff. I, or is it second week? I think it is the second week. But regardless, uh, super exciting stuff. I cannot wait to get. For, for it to get tipped off um, but we must start with the obvious big news um, in college basketball and it is it's the trial uh, it is the corruption trial it is still going on I think it's been ongoing for about three weeks now so still going strong <laughs> and uh, really interesting stuff has come out of that trial since we last talked obviously you know the Brian Bowen deal uh, with his dad essentially kind of letting that recruitment be bought by multiple schools, Oregon, Creighton, DePaul, some of the ones implicated, uh, Louisville, obviously, uh, you know, Kenny Johnson was heavily implicated in that. But then the, the big fish kind of, or I guess you could say like the, the, the big domino dropped with Kansas now heavily, um, heavily, Including this, obviously they were mentioned before with the Silvio de Sosa, but it wasn't Kansas that, or at least at first when the testifying started, it wasn't Kansas wasn't directly implicated. It's just that Silvio de Sosa's family took money, maybe from Maryland, and um, thus it could render him ineligible for uh, for the rest of the remainder of his college career. He had to he had to go on to the pros, but. Um, Kansas now is very much implicated in this. There have been texts between uh, top consultant for Adidas, TJ Gasnola, and Bill Self. And here are some of the here's some of the text messages. So this is whenever Kansas was finishing up getting an extension with Adidas to beat the, you know the, the 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 main you know apparel of of the university. And he said, uh, Hall of, so this is from Gasnola, Hall of Famer, thank you for the help with getting this extension done. Thanks, brother. And then self-replied, I'm happy with Adidas, just got a couple real guys. 
And then he goes, and then Gasnola responds. In my mind, it's KU Bill Self. That's what, that's what's right for Adidas basketball. The more you win, have lottery picks, and you happy. And he wrote, "I promise you, I got this. I will never let you down." Except, and then he typed out, DeAndre, kind of, uh, which mean, which is code for DeAndre Ayton, because obviously he went. Thought was gonna. Everyone thought he was gonna go to Kansas, and he ended up at Arizona. But he said, "I have, ne- I have never let you down, except for DeAndre." LOL. So, um, that's that's a text message. I mean, that 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 is hard evidence, and that is out there. Um, on the that's out there for for everyone to see. I mean, there's no there's no hiding there's no hiding from that um, at all. So, I mean, where it goes from here, no one really knows. But, um, yeah, it sounds – so here – let's see. Um, yeah, Gasnola admitted to making a $15,000 payment to a family friend of DeAndre Ayton to try to get him to play for an Adidas school. Probably Kansas because that was – I mean, it, his final three was Kansas, Kentucky, and Arizona. Um so those were the, those were like the big ones, um, and, and um, Kansas is the only Adidas school, actually, or on that list. Uh, Nike and Kentucky are both um, Nike, and then obviously you have the deal with Silvio De Souza, and this is this is what here's some of the text from. Between with that exchange, Gasnola t- uh, texted, "I talked to Finney, which was, uh, which is Silvio de Souza's legal guardian." And then self texted, "We good." And then Gasnola always, "That's that that's was light work. Balls in his court now." So it sounds like they paid, and Gas Gasnola admitted that he paid. Foul, or uh, Finney Falmain, the legal guardian, twenty thousand dollars to get to Sosa to end up at Kansas. Um, so now you have hard evidence that Bill Self might have known about this payment in order to get um, Silvio to Sosa. So <laughs> major, major balls have been dropped, um, and ma- major things have gone down in the past in the past week. And I mean, with, with NCAA, I don't know what they're gonna do with this. It's like, I mean, who knows? They haven't really even started investigating this. But my goodness, Kansas! I mean, Kansas is in a really, really bad spot. They are going into this season a top three team, probably top two. I'd put them Kentucky, Kansas, then you know Duke, Gonzaga, you know. But but top, definitely top three. Um, Gonna have one other, you know. They've had really good teams, obviously, in the past. Really, since since they've been on fire with their teams, really since fifteen sixty, they've had Final Four caliber teams every every single one of those years. But this might be the best of all of them. I mean, they have talent. They have they have a ton of experience, a ton of returners. They have depth. Um, you know, they don't have they don't have maybe that. that Elite, 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 elite five-star prospect like you know they had Josh Jackson, um, 
you you had Sheck Diallo, although he really didn't play, but but you don't have that elite guy. But you still have, I mean, impact transfers all over the place. You still got good talent coming in, and yeah, I mean, and well, and actually, you have Quentin Grimes who should end up kind of separating himself from the pack. But um, yeah, you have impact. You have impact all over the court, and then this happens right, you know, three weeks before the season starts, you know. Aaron Torres wrote a blog or wrote a not a blog, excuse me, wrote a post, an article on uh, Kentucky Sports Radio, and he's he's a national writer. He 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 says NCA's got to do something about this, and I and I tend to agree. I mean, I mean, it, this isn't bias or anything like that. This is text messages. This is hard evidence. I mean, there is no other way to do it. That uh, it, it, it very much sounds like that Bill Self and or Curtis Townsend, who's one of the Kansas assistants, assistants, excuse me conspired to with these Adidas consultants to try to get these uh, kids to commit to the to the Jayhawks. I mean it, it's pretty it, it's pretty obvious and Gastonola testified in front of I mean this, uh, this district court um, in New York and it, it's like all the information's coming out. Now yesterday there was big news as it pertained to um Zion Williamson. So I'm going to read an ex- or a thread of tweets. Let me find it here for a second. Let's see. Where is it? No, it is. Oh, here we go. So this is from Dan Wetzel, who is who is a he's a college basketball. He, he's a columnist for Yahoo Sports, and. Um, he is he's kind of covering um the he's co- he's covering the supreme or that excuse me the, the court case the trial uh up in new york and this is his, this is the thread this was from yesterday in a taped conversation that was not allowed into evidence today adidas merle code who is another one of the uh, top consultants and kansas assistant curtis townsend discussed the recruitment of zion williamson who wound up in duke obviously in arguing for admission, a transcript was read by by Code Defense uh, attorney Mark Moore. Code, hey, but between me and you, me and you, he asked about some stuff. I know what he's asking for. He's asking for opportunities from an occupational perspective. He's asking for cash in the pocket, and he's asking for housing for him and his family. Now, remember, over the summer, there was a big, there was a lot of buzz between Kansas and Zion Williamson. And a lot of it was had to do with the Adidas ties. That, you know, he uh, Zion played on the Adidas circuit um, throughout his AAU career. And, you know, I think a lot of people thought, you know, Kansas being a big-name school recruiting him, and I think a lot of people thought that the Adidas tie, the Adidas ties were going to be extremely important in his recruitment and, and could potentially sway his decision. It obviously did not. Um, but that also will get into kind of the Duke perspective on this as well. Um, we continue. Curtis Townsend, I have got to try to work and figure out a way because if that's what it takes to get him here for 10 months, we're going to have to do it some way. So, I mean, it, it, that that is right there. That's win at all costs. That's you know Zion Williamson, you know YouTube star, sensational basketball recruit, uh, immediate impact performer. 
you know, what we got to do to get him. We, we're going to just have to suck it up and do it. Um, but you know, it was denied into evidence uh, due to the limited context of it, but that is kind of the brief little excerpt um, of that thread. Really, really interesting. And if you're Duke, you have to wonder. So it sounds like Kansas was offering him up some, some quite a bit, quite a bit of benefits, and he ends up at Duke, obviously. Uh, now, granted, you know th- there were schools recruiting him until the end. It's not like that everyone left and Duke was the only one there to take him. I mean, Kentucky was recruiting him. I mean, obviously, Clemson was recruiting him. But you have to wonder how bot was his recruitment because Kansas was obviously offering up some stuff. Did he just did he just turn down all the money? Uh, potentially, and all the the benefits that Kansas was obviously willing to provide to go to Duke for free, you know, for for nothing, just take the scholarship and go run with it, or is there more to the story than that? Now, obviously, Duke has not been mentioned in this, so I'm not going to sit here and say that Duke's cheating or anything like that. But it's very clear that uh, with <laughs> it's very clear that. There was uh, there was an element to Zion Williamson's recruitment that was not the cleanest, at least by NCAA rules. Um, whether that's morally or ethically correct, uh, you know that that's a different debate. But we're going to go by what is considered, uh, you know, violation on the NCAA. That that is that is not clean. Um, so you have to wonder, you know, with Zion Williamson, how, um, you know, how how bought was that recruitment? What benefits could have been, but what benefits were offered, and what did Duke end up doing? I mean, it's it, there's all uh, relatively, you know, interesting questions that hopefully we will get answers to, but I, it's it's going to be hard for me to imagine that that Zion doesn't play this year just because of that. Um, I, I think the NCAA kind of needs Zion Williamson. It's one of those deals where like last season. When all like the, the spreadsheet came out, and you had you know Kevin Knox, Miles Bridges, uh, Wendell Carter, all these guys, you're not going to take those teams out of the tournament for that because that would tank the ratings. So I think for the NCAA, it's also a money game, and I think to hold out Zion Williamson for this, they're just not going to do it. They'll obviously investigate it, but they're going to take their sweet time, and then by the time that they find any any findings, they they come to any conclusions, Zion will be long gone in the. NBA. That's my assumption. So I really, I hardly believe um, that anything will come of that in the short term. That is, but it's interesting that man, like, if you know, as a Kentucky fan, Clemson fan, whatever, like, you know, it, it, think about how bummed out you were whenever you didn't get him. And now you're reading this. It's like maybe you know, because you know, as a, the Kentucky fan of me says, I'm glad he's not on the team now. Because like I don't want to deal with that. You don't want to have, you know. And, and I know you know Cal doesn't either. But, but as a fan, you don't want to be associated with someone that was their recruitment was potentially bought. It's one thing when an agent gives a guy money up front and then they sign with them later. That's not really a bot recruitment because that that. That's not swaying where that recruit goes to school. It's just kind of like, hey, you know, I want to be business partners with you in the future. Here's a little, you know, benefit here. Just, you know, come back to me later. And, and I think, honestly, you know, as far as that goes, um, marketing is just my opinion. Recruits should be able to take, to do business with agents, 
before they get into college, and they should be able to market themselves. I don't understand why that's a big deal. I mean, I think what is it? You know, in hockey and in baseball, they're allowed to sign with agents early, but in basketball and football, they're not. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. And, and then the, the you know the marketing themselves. I mean, you know, if you're good, if you're supremely talented, that you should not be. Um, that should not be held against you. I mean, that that's like I mean, it's it's like. You know the the free market. You you get into it. What you know, what you put into it is what you get out. And if you're really good, then you should be able to make money off of it. I I think 100. percent But anyway, just my thought on that. But anyway, th- this is different because it's clear that you know Kansas might have been offering him some money. It wasn't just an agent. It wasn't. It, it wasn't just you know, uh, even just a shoe company. It, it, this is assistant. It, it, this doesn't even. This is assistant Curtis Townsend talking about, hey, we gotta get this guy. It's 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 the the shoe companies, one of their top uh, consultants, conspire with an assistant coach um, to land a top recruit. At least that's according to this text messages. Now this was not used in evidence, but it's interesting that it's it's out there. It's on Twitter um, for everyone to see. So make of that what you will. But I think you know for Kansas, like whoo, timing couldn't be worse. Um, and, and there's always been a little bit of shadiness around the Kansas, like kind of what happened with Louisville, right? Like they, they had been running kind of a shady program really all around. And then they finally got busted for it twice. Um, and it, it resulted in massive institutional change. I mean, like new president, new AD. I mean, they totally cleaned house in every aspect of what they could have do, could have done. The only guy really left and they have Dan McDonald, their basketball or their baseball coach, excuse me. But the only you know other guy is Bob Petrino. I mean, he outlived both um, Rick Petino and Tom Jurich, which is incredible. Like no one would have guessed that. I think <laughs> when uh, uh, he first got when Petrino got rehired, um, joined back with the university, and I think it was 2014. So interesting stuff. Now also. Uh, some very interesting stuff as well with Will Wade, and he has since denied this. But uh, there was a there was a tweet out there. Um, Tiger Rag tweeted transcript reports transcript of a wiretap recording invol- involving an alleged conversation between LSU coach Will Wade and a friend defendant Christian Dawkins about a potential recruit was read aloud during the federal court basketball fraud trial on Tuesday yesterday. Um, I think that might be in the uh, thread as well. I'm going to go look. But here we go. So also, prevented from becoming evidence but read out in court was a conversation between Will Wade and defendant Christian Dawkins about 2019 recruit Balsa Kopervika, who hails from Florida. That was a guy that Louisville was trying to buy. Um, I remember because they, they were mentioning, because right around the time where, when all hell broke loose last last year with all this stuff, Balsa, Kopravika, his crystal ball was almost unanimously Louisville. It looked like they were going to land him. And then all of a sudden, um, the, it comes out, and then it comes out that Louisville was trying to pay for a 2019 recruit, a top 2019 recruit. And at the time, Balsa, Kopravika, he has since dropped quite a bit, but was in the top 20, 25. And um, it was pretty clear that that's who they were trying to get. Um, 
But uh, continuing, Wade is comment, commenting to Christian Dawkins that he can give him what he needs, meaning money, if a player from Florida, Copervica, plays for Louisville. And then Dawkins responds, would you want Balsa? Wade, oh, the big kid? Dawkins, okay, but there is other blank involved in it. And then Wade, Wade, I've got to shut the door. I can get you what you need, but it's got to work. I mean, and we're talking about Will Wade, an upcoming new coach. I believe, yeah, he is in just, I think this is, he is in his second year. Yes, last year was his first season. And he took an LSU team that was picked, I think, second to last or last, one of the two. Um, and he made them a very competent basketball team. I mean, they were much better than anyone thought, you know, Tremont Waters. And now this year, it's like they, you know, they're looking, I think I have them ranked inside the top 15. And then this comes out. Now, Will Wade has since come out. Uh, I think the SEC media day is today, and he has come out and denied these allegations against him. But, um, wow. I mean, like, I mean, the head coach in – and this was a guy that, like, down the road, I think maybe not way down the road, was was, was going to be in play for some major jobs. I mean, like, you know, Kentucky, like, uh, you know, maybe Michigan State, some of the, you know, these coaches that are getting up there in age of the big-time programs. Will Wade, I think, was going to be considered maybe a candidate down the road, and then this happens. And, um, whew. I mean, if, if you're an LSU basketball fan, which I know most of, them, most of them don't care as much about the basketball team, but, I mean, I'm sure there's some out there. I mean, this is a, it's a huge blow. And, I, I, again, I don't know what in the short term comes of this. I don't know how you handle all of this immediately. But that is not a good sign. That's just not a good sign uh, whatsoever. So, um, so I, I, you know, I think that's interesting. They also um, – there's also – there was a payment for a 20 – or uh, – Twelve hundred dollars to Markel Fult to the handler of Markel Fult. It's you know to, while he was still at Washington again with Washington they already kind of cleaned that house and it, that year that Markel Fultz, Fultz played for him they were quite horrible so um, I don't know how much comes of that but Lorenzo Romar was the coach then he he's he has since gone uh, they have a new head coach so I, I think Washington if. It's kind of irrelevant, even if he was paid by Fultz was paid by someone. If it got vacated, you'd probably like to see it because they, they, I think they had more. They almost had double losses than they did win. So um, there you go. And then here we go. So stuff about some more stuff about Brian Bowen. Um. So this is this are text exchange between Kenny Johnson and Rick Pitino. Johnson, coach, DePaul is trying to pay Bowen $200,000 to come there. Crazy world. Oregon, DePaul, desperate times. Tino responded, yep, we are going to be okay. And um, and then, so Michigan State supposedly offered nothing. And then, in, let's see, what? But it sounds like that that Bowen did not want to end up there. Dawkins told him go to Michigan State, keep it simple. But his father, you know, agreed, saying it's it's up to him. He said he's not feeling him. I'm for Michigan State. It's him. So, but it's interesting that Michigan State it was testified that they did not 
or Bowen's dad testified that Michigan State didn't offer anything to the son. But it's amazing how bought that recruitment was. You have DePaul, you have Oregon. Because remember how interesting that recruitment was, just for looking from the inside now, you know, before you knew any of this was happening. His list, it looked like for the longest time it was going to be either Arizona or Michigan State, right? And, and then it just seemed like the, there was like a, every day he was adding a school to the list. You had Texas. Uh, like I remember Texas getting crystal ball picks. I remember DePaul, Creighton getting crystal ball picks. Uh, I, I think I remember Oregon, you know, one day like I looked at – and then Oregon's getting a bunch of picks. And then obviously it ended up being Louisville uh, that he signed with before uh, it all broke. It, like he didn't narrow down his recruitment. He expanded the recruitment. And um, so – yeah, very interesting. But, yeah, that's all. Dan Wetzel, follow him. He's got the latest on it. Um, so I, I'm I, I'm very happy that I got to uh, – or that, that that's out there, so I, I got to share that. But um, anyway, so just very, very extremely, um, extremely interesting stuff going on. I, I'm really eager to see what happens of this. Um, yeah, so some of the coaching reactions to this. Coach K called it a blip, and he doesn't think that there's all that much corruption going on. He doesn't think it's a big – he really didn't think it was a big deal. He kind of denied that all this was going on. He, he kind of just thought it was, it was fake. And, and, and he, so he said that I think it was either Monday or Tuesday, and then the Zion stuff came out. So he's getting kind of blasted for the media for that. Uh, Cal said – Kind of came out and said today because he was obviously asked about it. You know, he also he, he thinks this is quite a black eye. Thinks this is you know, this is, looks very bad for the sport, which I, I would agree it does. And he, but he also went out and said that you know, whenever you have guys wanting things extra, recruits wanting things, they just walk away. I mean, he went out and just said that today. And you know that there had to be times where that was the case. And you think about it, like all the times that, you know, UK maybe looked like they were going to go on on this kid and then they, they, did, they didn't. It was like, oh, man, you know, tough loss. But it, it always ends up to be like a saving grace. Like, they, like they, it, just, like it just happens to work out. I mean, with Zion Williamson, they did go after him towards till the end. But maybe it was a blessing in disguise that he didn't. Uh, Emmanuel Moutier. I mean, that was another guy. Um, pretty shady recruitment. Didn't any, didn't even enroll. Um, and then the school that he, you know, SMU, was it a year later, year, or a couple of years later, then they get in trouble with uh, an academic scam. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but um, it certainly didn't help. And then, you know, Markel Fultz was another guy they offered. And... Uh, and he ends up going elsewhere. It seems like, and then, you know, Brian Bowen, I remember, I'm pretty sure Kentucky made his first cut, uh, his first round of, of cuts for schools. He was on the top 12, but Kentucky had no interest. I mean, did, didn't offer him, didn't have anything really to do with him. It's, so it's amazing that, that, you know, Cal says that, and there's actually kind of some evidence kind of behind that. Like, they don't, all these guys, these shady recruits, DeAndre Ayton, I mean, UK didn't recruit him for the long, for really at all. They, he put him on the list, but the UK really didn't recruit him all that much. Um, Thon Maker, Cal kind of said, you know, I, I don't know if he got paid or anything like that. He may have just been holding out to go to the NBA and had no interest in going to college. But he was like, you know, let me know when he kind of told his guardian, like, let me know when he's ready to be recruited. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not messing with it right now. So um, I think. For John Calipari, you know, 
he kind of practiced what he preached right there, and it's you know the Kentucky has since not been implicated. Now, now, and this when the, the Dawkins spreadsheet came out back in February, you did have Bam Adebayo on it, you did have Kevin Knox on it, but however, that was just dealings with agents. That was not Kentucky, you know, being you know paying anyone. So, uh, but I you know I, I think there definitely there has there's definitely some uh, truth to what Cal uh, said today, but. Yeah, I, I I don't know what you do with um with all this stuff. I don't know how you get all the all of kind of the, the the filth out of the, out of the recruitment process for basketball. And you know, Cal said today I, he doesn't know if this trial is even going to help fix it. I mean, there there's going to be you know with with as much as and I think one of the I think it might have been Rick Barnes said you know cheating. It, you know, he I think he said that like basketball coaches around the country acknowledge that it happens for sure and uh but he says it's it's not going to stop because of what's at stake and that's a great point i mean there there's, there's jobs on the line there's there's titles to be won and it's it's all that stuff so you know the it's just interesting that coach k really just dismissed it and didn't really acknowledge it and said it was just a little blip and you know right and then now one of your star players is going to be there is very much uh, implicated in this in this trial. Now, obviously, it wasn't used as evidence, but it's out there. The NCAA sees this, so um, yeah. So I, I thought, you know, first half of the show, I would start off with that. That's that's the, obviously the headliner. Um, I will obviously keep you updated. Um, I think I covered most of the most important stuff. I mean, Kansas is, was the big one, and I, I'm going to be very eager to see what happens to Kansas. I mean, Bill. I mean, it was Sean Miller. Sean Miller has to be thrilled about this because he really has gone totally under the radar with his entire process. And Bill Self has kind of taken Bill Self's kind of taken the fort, you know, taken kind of the center stage of this whole uh, this whole deal. So, um, still, I, I don't really know what the update is with Sean Miller, but he's still there. And but ESPN, like they claim to have the the tape recording between. Him and Aiton, you know, conduct, doing a payment, but hasn't been. It, it ain't out there like the text star, that's for sure. And ESPN changed their stories so many times, so I don't know. I don't know really who's in the right uh, w- with that, but um, it, it's clear you know something probably went on. I mean, DeAndre Aiton's recruitment was was very shady um, from the beginning because he was with well, as good as he was. I mean, we're talking topic of the draft, and no one really recruited him. And that 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 in itself, I mean, that kind of tells you something. So anyway, so we will move on from that. Three weeks away from the season, get some quick hitters in some of the big news. So Mustafa Heron, who transferred from Auburn back home, or back up to the Northeast, transferred to St. John's. Um, you know, you know, fill fill out a waiver trying to get to play this season because you know. It, the rules he'd have to sit out a year and then and then he would get two years of eligibility he is going to be able to play immediately I don't know I don't know what why exactly that is but that's not really the big news that's not why it's it's the fact that he gets to play and you know right now I have St. John's at 41 on my rankings we'll go more into that um, but they're going to get a big bump up I mean they have a really good lineup Shamori Pons was he might have led the Big East in scoring if he didn't he was top two or three. He was up there. Um, 
you have Justice Simon, who was originally on uh, Arizona, transferred to St. John's. You have Marvin Clark, who was originally on Michigan State, transferred St. John's. You have a you have you know kind of this Nevada model of transfers uh, for St. John's and a team that last year I think people had a lot of high expectations for didn't end up panning out. They didn't they they went I think about five hundred, but they have a heck of a team this year and can end up being really really good. And they're doing it through via the transfer market. You know they're, they Chris Mullen's been able to to snag some decent recruits. So they'll find their team here. Uh, you know Brian and Brian Trimble and um, who else? They got? Well, and, and Shamori Pons is a pretty high up recruit in 2016. So they've been able to snag a couple of good recruits, and then you pair it with the uh, with the um, with the transfer they brought in. Uh, Sadiq Kita is another one. Uh, Kas- Kasum uh, Yakwe, that, that another good recruit. I think that was pulled in by uh, Steve Lavin, the previous. I think Steve Lavin was the previous coach. I don't remember. Um, but anyway, but yeah, they have a they have a much much better roster this year. Look for them. To, I mean, they're they may be the most talented team in the Big East. They're, you know, Villanova's better than them. I think Marquette's probably better than them. But you know, as far you know, Xavier, they're better than Xavier, I'd say, and they may have more talent than than any of the the other schools. They, they could end up finishing in the top three in the Big East this year. Big news coming out of New Jersey with the Heron, uh, with Heron being able to play. And Mustafa Heron, you know, really, really, you know, physical player can get to the rim. I think in Auburn, with the way that they play, that fast pace kind of, you know, shoot it around. He, I think he needs to be featured in the offense. St. John's, you know, they they kind they're kind of all over the place, but they play a little bit more iso ball because. Mustafa Heron, you can make the argument, kind of bogged down Auburn. So it was maybe a mutual parting, but he's still ultimately really talented. I mean, talking about a former five-star recruit, um, you know, but very physical, can get in the lane, can do a lot of things with that. So big news for St. John's. And some kind of crappy news. See, um, Andrew Jones, who is now, he's he's I think he's in remission. He's back with the team. I think he's practicing. And he fractures his toe. So I, I don't know how long he's going to be out. Let's see. Um, he's out indefinitely, it says. So, you know, that's a bummer for him. But hopefully he will be able to... Excuse me. He will be able to get back on the court in uh, in no time. So, um Yeah. Andrew John, yeah, I mean, when he he was healthy, maybe the most talented player on the roster, you know, really good guard, good shooter, good score. Really, it's just a bummer that you know he he came down with the leukemia last year, uh, but but all very very awesome that he is um, that he is back and healthy uh, as far as that goes. But yeah, he's gonna have to deal with a broken toe for a little bit. So uh, something that was interesting. So Ben Howell today, uh, who's now the coach at Mississippi State, going to be in his fourth season, third or fourth, one of the two. Um, he he said that Tennessee was the team to beat in the SEC, and that you know people I think someone was like, well, what about Kentucky? He's like, well, Tennessee beat Kentucky twice, 
and they're returning everyone, so they're clearly the team to beat, which I think is interesting. Um, I think Tennessee's really good. I mean, I think if you had to tier the SEC, if you had to tier it off, I think you have Kentucky, Tennessee, Auburn's kind of your top tier. Kentucky slightly, in my opinion, but Kentucky kind of slightly, maybe maybe even Kentucky a tier up. But you you could argue they're right there. I mean, one Tennessee would probably rank fifth, and then Kentucky ranked first or second. So and that's pretty close. So if you get teared off, that's where you're gonna. Those are your top three. I think those three now. Austin Wiley is hurt, and he is uh, so he's gonna be out for a little while. But if they can get fully healthy, I mean Auburn, they're really good. I mean they they have a lot of talent on their team. Pretty much, I mean they lost Mustafa Heron. Deshaun Murray grad transfer, uh, graduated and transferred to Western Kentucky. Let's see, right now I have Auburn ranked uh, the ninth because they got Jared Harper, Harper, their point guard back, Bryce Brown's back, who led that. I think he led the SEC in scoring. He would, he, in my opinion, should have been the SEC Player of the Year because he carried Auburn uh, throughout conference play. Uh, Samir Dotty. Uh, who was a transfer from VCU, will step in uh, to the small forward role and is a better facilitator. So he's not going to be you know, taking you know, the ball and going one-on-one a lot like Mustafa Heron did. He's, the ball will flow more. Chuma Okeke, who played um, p- pretty well in a, in a small role last year, he's like the, one, of the, the, uh, was one of the lone guys that was 6'8 or uh, taller on uh, Auburn's team last year. <clears throat> last year. And, you know, Austin Wiley being out, but Auburn made the tournament was a four seed without him. So, Anthony McElmore, I mean, that's what, their season tanked when Anthony McElmore broke his ankle. Was I think it was against uh, South Carolina on the road. That's when their season tanked. It wasn't, it wasn't really because of who they didn't have. It was when they started losing the guys that they did have, and they didn't have a whole lot of them. So, um, you know they're going to be shorthanded as it is, but they played like that last year, and they and they got a top four seed. So I think you know, and, and I think they'll be better this year. But obviously, having Austin Wiley on the shelf um, is a big is a bit of a bummer for Bruce Pearl and company. But the, with the way they righted the ship last year, because they were they were uh, implicated big time in the FBI stuff as well, lost the commitment of EJ Montgomery due to that, um, and they had a heck of a season, and they look to do the same this year so but anyway so back to my point uh tearing it off and then after that you have those three and then i think after that so you got like lsu or mississippi state lsu florida um that's probably yeah that's probably what i go with because you don't have yeah so the, the, the next three after that mississippi state florida or lsu and florida barring you know lsu that they don't have anything else, um, or nothing results of what happened day in the short term. Yeah, I right now I I probably will change this, but I have LSU ranked ahead of Mississippi State. I'm probably going to put Mississippi State ahead of them um, because I like their I like their backcourt a lot, quite quite a bit. But I think it's interesting that you know that opposing coaches and one, but it could be a shared thought favor or think that Tennessee is the team to beat. And I know that they won last year twice. And they're a really good team. They're, they're bringing everyone back. But I think the talent gap is what's important here. Tennessee, I think, is an Elite Eight team. I don't think they're anything better than that. I don't think, that, I don't think it's possible. 
because they don't have enough NBA talent on their team. NBA talent wins out. It does. Look, look at the past teams that have won it all. Last year, Villanova. How many? They had what, three guys in the first round. Um, the year before that, Carolina, Tony Bradley Jr., who's a reserve, went in the first round. You know, they these and, and then Justin Jackson was a lottery pick. The year before that, you didn't really have a ton of NBA talent. That Villanova team is more of the exception, but they still had a ton of returning players, and they had players on their bench that would eventually get to the NBA. It's not like they didn't have anything. Um, and then the year before that, Duke. Oak Four, Winslow, Jones, speaks for itself. Um, and then, you know, even the year before that, you had... Shabazz Napier is the first round pick. You have to have some sort of first round talent. And with all due respect, Tennessee does not have that. They have good college players. They have really good college players. I mean, Grant Williams is a beast for the college game, but his game will not translate to the NBA. Maybe 15 years ago it might have, but not today. Admiral Schofield's your best your best bet, but you're looking at an undersized, you're looking at, you know, a short three. I, can you play three in the NBA? I don't know. He can't play power forward at 6'5", that's for sure. He's a good shooter. He's, he's a better, he's a decent shooter. But playing power forward at 6'5 in the NBA these days, eh, that's a little too small <laughs> for uh, small ball. But, um, I mean, that, that's the size of two guards in the NBA. So, I with Kentucky, you're obviously going to get that reload. And, um, but they have guys coming back and I think legitimately good players I mean you look at PJ Washington I mean he may he might you know I, I think Keldon Keldon's the best but he's the I mean, he's terrific I mean PJ Washington will probably be he's gonna be a top definitely a top 10 player in today's college basketball he, he's he's just really good he and he's the way he's changed his body he looks he just looks more confident he, he's expanded his skill set he looks great and he's shooting the ball better I don't that you know, you have returning guys that have a chance to be first round picks. I think you know both, both him and Nick Richards have a good shot. Nick Richards look awesome in the Bahamas. I went into that, and then the the class coming in. I mean, I mean pretty much everyone that Kentucky brought in um, is better than the coaching staff expected. I mean, EJ Montgomery might be the exception. Because he's a little behind, but he's still. But they, but they, they acknowledge how good, how skilled he is. Actually, Cal said, you know, after Big Blue Madness, like, you know, EJ was playing all right, and the scouts came, and he went off, like he was just awesome, you know. And I think Ashton Hagens, maybe his offense is a little behind, but he's way better defensively. I mean, he he's awesome defensively, and Emmanuel quickly way better than anyone thought. I mean, you know, I just find that find that interesting. Kentucky plays at Mississippi State. Auburn and Tennessee this year in Florida, so they have to go on the road to let's see, four. so four of those five other teams in those top two tiers in the SEC. I mean, that's that's tough. I mean, and you know, mixing a road game at Vanderbilt, who I'd have maybe the next tier down from that. I think they got to go to Alabama, who they're going to be sneaky good this year. I mean, there is some tough road games. Kentucky has to play. Um, but they could shut up a lot of people if they ended up winning. Kentucky's blue-white game will be on Sunday, by the way. So, um, 
be on the lookout for that. Um, let's see, what else do I have to say? I guess we could start going in a little bit to the rankings. I, I can start ranking, breaking some of these down. Um, I think that's probably it. So I'm going to start, you know, I'm not going to do all 50, uh, 50. Yeah, I'm not doing all 50. That's that's too much. I mean, I may, you know, shout out a couple teams um, as teams that I kind of think are sneaky good. But 25... I have ranked currently right now is the Michigan Wolverines. The uh, the obviously the team that won the national championship game and then Villanova went and smacked them. But still a heck of a season. They they do lose I mean you lose Mo Wagner, who might have been who by the end of the season might have been the best player on the team. He was fantastic. They, if if somehow they would have won against Villanova, he would have been the kind of final four MVP. And you lose Muhammad Ali, Abdur Rahman, and he's not a huge loss. I mean, he he, but what he did, he was really good at kind of like keeping the flow of the offense, keeping the ball moving. He made clutch plays, um, and he he always seemed to make the smart play. And then you lose Duncan Robinson, who was a dead eye shooter. He was a little streaky. He would admit he'd go one game one for nine and go to the other game six six for seven. A little streaky, but. When Duncan Robinson, I think there was some stat. When he when he when he hit at least four or five threes, like Michigan didn't lose. So losing a threat like that, it's tough. Um, but what who you do have? Um, Xavier Simpson is back, one of the best defensive point guards in the sport. Uh, Jordan Poole, who kind of showed him, you know, kind of showed everyone that he is a. He is a clutch shooter. He's the guy you go to uh, with the game on the line, can make shots. Uh, Charles Matthews, an, I mean, another guy that got really good as the season went on, going to be their playmaker, going to be their guy that gets in the lane when you need a bucket. John Beeline says go get it. That guy running out the front court. Uh, Isaiah Livers, who pretty good shooter, and John Teske, who played pretty good. at the, He dominated against Purdue. And then, you know, a really young bench – um, but a good recruiting class brought in Brandon Johns, uh, Ignis Bradzi, Brad, Brazdikis, Ignis Brazdikis is their big time recruit, um, small forward, and on their foreign trip, I think they lost maybe one or two games, but um, it's not like he was re- like he was ahead of the curve. Ignis Brazdikis is a guy to look out for. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I hope I am, but that's a guy to look out for for the. Uh, Wolverines because uh, by the end of the year he could end up being a starter so that's who I have they lost let's see who else. They, yeah Jaron Simmons Eba Watson uh, transferred Jaron Simmons he, he was a grad transfer from Ohio he graduated so that's their losses so they're, why they're only 25 you'd say well they returned a majority of their team I mean, and that's true they returned what four or, f- or three of five starters right they, they only lost Mo Wagner uh, Rahman, but you could argue that maybe Poole and Matthews, that, that combination starting will even be better. It's I just think their bench is really young. They're gonna have to prove themselves. And the Big Ten this year is gonna be tough. I mean there's gonna be there's gonna be some competition uh certainly uh at the top and um they're gonna have to you know with Michigan State, I, I think Penn State will be pretty good. Um I think Purdue will be solid. There's I mean the Big Ten this year there, there's no like clear, clear, um, big-time team like there was last year with Michigan State coming out. But um, 
Yeah, so they they still have um, the I think their bench and can they get the, can John Beeline get the impact out of their freshmen um, that he hopes to. Number twenty four, I have Nebraska, and this may change. I'm just going to go with this for now because uh, you know, yeah, I'm I'm going to go with this for now though. Uh, Nebraska, they're returning pretty much everyone from their starting five: Glenn Watt, Glenn Watson Jr., Thomas Allen, James Palmer, Isaac Copeland. Isaiah Roby rounds out their starting five. Um, they lost er, Anton Gill to graduation. Jack McVeigh, early draft entrant. Those were kind of their bigger losses. Um, but really, I mean, I mean, this was a team that was like had a really good record, but because they didn't play in non-conference, that hurt them. And now I think they I don't know exactly who they play in non-conference, but they scheduled tougher games. So they have they are much much better suited to make the tournament. Because I think they were like the three or four seed in the Big Ten tournament. Like, they were really good in conference play. Very tough to beat at home. Um, and now, they, you know, with Isaac Copeland and James Palmer coming back, those are two all Big Ten caliber players. Um, I think they're going to be a lot better. they got a returning point guard guarding Glenn Watson. Um, I like Nebraska. I think they're going to be ranked um, uh, when the AP poll comes out. If not, they're going to be close. They'll definitely be in the top 30. And um, I think they're going to – I think this year they're going to be in the tournament. They haven't been in the tournament, I think, since 2013. I believe it was the last time. Um, uh, yeah, I think it was 2013. Was And they got destroyed, I'm pretty sure. Um, I could be wrong, though. <clears throat> 23, this was one that I don't think a lot of people will expect. Because, you know, I, I, think, I think some trendy back-end top 25 teams, you know, TCU, Washington, Arizona State, uh, maybe Clemson – uh, you know, Marquette is, is another one. I got USC at twenty three, and I, I really like, I really like that spot for them. I mean, they're underrated. You know, last year they their season. I mean, I had them ranked in the top ten. Their season really got derailed by the DeAnthony Melton. I don't think I really expected that to have the impact it did. But it just they lost that dynamic guard, playmaking guard, and I think another season of him. You know, he they would have been. Much, but much better. They definitely would have made the tournament. Um, you know, losing Chimezi Mitu will hurt, certainly. I mean, he was an all Pac 12 uh, center and, you know, a very good low post guy. They lose Isaiah Stewart and Jordan McLaughlin to uh, graduation. But I think they're going to be good. I mean, Derek Thornton, kind of, you know, the, the Duke transfer, kind of an afterthought. Um, I think he, he's going to have a big role. Jonah Matthews. Um, I think his role will expand. They got another year of Shaquan Aaron. You know, Shaquan Aaron's always been a guy. It's like, well, this guy was highly ranked, but he hasn't really done anything. So this is his year. Like, I, I think he's going to start, and I think he's going to play a lot of minutes. And this is kind of his chance to show out. It's his last time. The big one, they got Benny Boatwright back again. He has been plagued by injuries, but when he's on the court, he is really good. Stretch four. He's going to lead the team in scoring, if I had to bet. Um, really good player. And then Nick Ragasevic. You know, the guy that came off their bench last year, like, he doesn't look impressive when you watch him play, but he puts up good numbers seemingly every time. Could could tease, you know, could get close to a double-double, um, but definitely has a chance to make the all-pack 12, you know, postseason list. And on the bench, you have a ton of talent. I mean, Kevin Porter was one of the best players, um, one of the best, you know, players for the class of 2018, in the spring, he made big jumps, like super athletic. 
Uh, I think he made the Nike Hoop Summit team. He was dominating the practices. He, yeah, he made – he went from, like, 40-something to, like, 25 on most of the rankings, and he was just – I mean, he, he's an, a freak athlete, a specimen, going to be really good. Charles O'Bannon is another – one of their big recruits, going to be a good score for them. Um, Elijah Weaver. They, they – you know, props to Andy Enfield for for – for you know, getting a really good class. I mean, it just didn't seem like that was possible with the FBI stuff. And I think he hit, got a top uh, five class with you know Abandon. Abandon might have been a seventeen guy. I can't remember. But you know, Kevin Porter and and Elijah Weaver were uh, those were twenty eighteen guys. Jaron Brooks. Everyone thought he was gonna he was gonna go to either Washington or St. John's, and he ends up at a USC. And you know, good power forward prospect in him. So th- they have a really nice um, roster, but you know they're they're a little light in the front court. Uh, Benny Boatwright has had injury problems. Shaquan Aaron has been inconsistent. So those are two uh, storylines to watch. And also Derek Thornton. How, how does he react? Uh, you know, he's I think he's going to be the starter point guard. He's got the reins again for a, a major program. Let's we'll see because he really didn't play much of a role. role. Um, last season and he and he could have he was he was eligible to play um 22 the indiana hoosiers they are back um obviously the big one romeo langford i mean i I had to get him kind of a guy now the scandal the fbi corruption thing that helped him because i think he was going to louisville if not for that and um yeah I, i think i think you you know uk really didn't didn't uh they kind of let him go. They, they, you know, they knew how talented he was, but I don't, I don't think the the coaching it didn't mesh. Um, the, the coach player relationship didn't mesh, so they kind of let him go. Um, Kansas was on a list, never a real possibility. It was really, you know, in trying to think of who else. Duke wasn't a major player either, so he ends up at uh, Indiana, and I think that's that's big time. I, I mean, <laughs> you have to big props to Louisville, right? Because he, you know. Louisville could have had a heck of a class, and he would have been the headliner, and he is instead a Hoosier. But obviously he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the main focus. Um, he's going to lead the team scoring. He's going to be a top-five pick. Um, supreme score, good athlete, super smooth. Um, you know, I, I think with Romeo it has nothing to do with talent or ability. It's just can he stay engaged? Um, can he, you know, handle the pressure? I mean, he hometown school, it's, it's a big stage for him to be on and there's going to be a lot of people kind of you know wanting him to take him to the promised land so can't you know that that pressure is going to be tough you know you know Devontae Green's back for uh, a final year you have a good front court with Dwan Morgan and Deron Davis two upperclassmen Morgan a senior Davis a junior uh should have a that's a nice front court. I mean, Juwan Morgan, I think, tested the waters. He's also he's always been a nice player. Like he can play inside, outside, pretty versatile, good touch around the rim, decent shot. I like Juwan Morgan. Um, and Justin Smith, I think another, I think he's a twenty, he's a big time twenty seventeen recruit, looks to slide into that small forward spot. Uh, pretty talented guy as well. And they they got a pretty deep bench. You know, Race Thompson, redshirted last year, so he's got a year under his belt. Um, Demezzi Anderson, I think he, he Demezzi Anderson and Robert uh, Finnessy both are uh, also Indiana natives, um, and then obviously the grad transfer Evan Fitzner gives them a stretch four, a very valuable in today's basketball 
so that's that's a um, that's a pretty big one for um, Archie Miller. But yeah, they definitely should be ranked. Gonna be that's another team. You know, uh, you know, even though the Big Ten doesn't have any suit again, not supremely elite teams. They have a lot of solid guy, or a lot of solid uh, teams that that are going to be fighting it out for those uh, top, you know, those top spots in the Big Ten. Next up, Syracuse. Now, Syracuse's roster at first glance is not impressive, and it never really is. But <laughs> Jim Bayon just knows how to get that two-three zone to the Sweet Sixteen, and you know they returned pretty much. They returned their entire starting five. They didn't lose anyone. They lost. Well, the only guy they lost was Matthew Moyer, who transferred to Vanderbilt. Um, they didn't lose anyone. Frank Howard is back, and you know he, he's a nice long point guard. Tyus Battle, the leading scorer, not super efficient. He didn't test. He did not have a good combine. I think that was a big part of it. Didn't test well. Didn't play well in the scrimmages because he t- he tested the waters, came back. But college as a college guard, man, he he's tough. Really good mid range game. Good score. Uh, Merrick uh, Dolage was really really good. And I think as like as a four, he's a skinny dude, but he's very long, pretty athletic. You get Pascal, Chuck Wu back, and um, yeah, I mean that their front court is kind of set. They're not a deep team, but you remember how they beat Michigan State um, in the Sweet Sixteen. They don't they don't win. Um, they really don't win because of, you know, flash glamour or like they're they're bringing a bunch of reinforcements. They just kind of grind it out, and um, and that's I mean that's just what they do, and it gets into the Sweet Sixteen every time. I, this team could contend for an Elite Eight spot because they have everyone back. I think Bayheim knows how to coach these guys, and and they're a year older, and I think they're going to be they're going to be a heck of a lot better. And of course O'Shea Brissett, who really came on tournament time, was really awesome. Um, you know, that's another really good offensive piece. I mean, the offense is going to run through battle in O'Shea Brissett for sure, but they have definitely they have some bigs that that work for the two three zone for sure. Um, they don't have a ton of depth, but like I said, they don't they don't really need it. All right, the last team we'll go into today um, for today's episode is UCLA. Um, I really let down last year. I thought they were going to be a heck of a lot better. I thought I had them, I think, pegged in the top 15. I thought they were going to be much better. Um, I think youth caught up to them a bit, and, I, you know, they were a bit overhyped. That didn't help. And it was all – I mean, it was Aaron Holiday and kind of everyone else. I mean, everyone else was playing in slow, slow motion pretty much. But um, let's see. Uh, but, yeah, Sharif O'Neal, the news about him, he, he is, I think, going undergoing a heart procedure, so he will be redshirting this season. So, obviously, hopefully everything's good with him. Um, and I think Tiger Campbell is going to be he's going to miss the entire season as well. So, their depth definitely took a shot, so I may end up lowering them after that. But, however, they got a good starting five. I like Jalen Hands. I love that he came back this year. Chris Wilkes, I think, is going to be a monster in year two. Pretty good in year one. He had he he showed flash. I think in year two, though, he has a real chance to be really good. Um, you know, and Cody Riley is you now now back or active after the whole uh, China thing, stealing from China thing. He's going to be pretty good um, as well. Moses Brown rounds it out. Elite recruit. They're young, but they're talented. I may move them down a little bit because of their depth. 
issues. But but I think that Steve Alford has a lot to work with. All right, that is all we're going to get to today. I will continue recapping the teams as we uh, continue to count down the days till college basketball. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, have a great week. And college basketball, baby. It's, it's here. Let's go.